0: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
1: And I'm Scott Galloway, or as my friends call me, face for podcasting.
0: <laughs> That's right. We're
1: on video, Kara. We're on
0: video. We're like the Howard Stern. You're Robin Quivers. I'm Howard Stern. Or I think you're Howard Stern and I'm Robin Quivers, correct? Is that something we're doing? Robin Givens, you mean? Yeah.
1: No. Wait, is it Givens or Quivers?
0: Oh my she's God. key to
1: the show. She's key. The, She's the solvent that makes everything work there. Exactly.
0: So we're putting this on YouTube because we feel like we want to get more people listening. They want to see how we operate. Think, anything else we want out of this This video we situation? We want to give the ladies a
1: little something. I'm going to start wearing midriffs. <laughs> Come on. Our wearing... fans deserve you it. You are
0: not wearing midriffs. We are right. going to wear different T-shirts. We're going to have props wigs. at one point. Wigs. No midriffs. One word, wigs. You can wear wigs. I don't care what you do, okay. but no min We have lovely people taping us here. We've got a whole new staff. It's going to be great. Um, anyway, so here I'm not going to. I'm going to try, try not to touch your face during the whole thing because people will notice. Just well, no one else is going to
1: touch my face. I mean, that's seriously fair. that's fair. All right. Okay. Well,
0: listen, we got some big stories to break down. Okay. Scott
1: yeah, Jack Dorsey
0: looks like he might be staying at Twitter. What is happening? So today, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that they the talks between. The Dorsey side at Twitter and Elliott Management, which is Paul Singer, have come yeah. to an agreement to add two new board members and an independent third member. They – $2 billion in stock buybacks and also paid for part of which with an investment by Silver Lake. I guess Egon Durbin at Silver Lake, who's yeah. interesting guy, um, is joining the board. It looks like he doesn't have to give up – Jack does not have to give up his half job. Scott, are you wrong here? What happened? Did they just did, did did sensibility come? Did they suddenly meet Jack and really like him? What happened, Scott? Give me some news.
1: Oh, Kara, we're right as rain on this one. This is all right. You, no, you,
0: no, I said that first he might off. Talk. Go ahead. First
1: off, um, I doubt you have seen a company. I think Elliot announced this action ten days ago. Uh-huh. I don't think you've ever seen three board seats at a company of this size awarded 10 days after Elliott files the proxy or issues a statement. Uh, So this is unprecedented. And every I've been following this, as you can imagine, really closely. There wasn't a single article that basically said Jack should stay CEO. And so the board knew. We said this. It was over before it started. Three board seats, uh, including one from Elliott, one from Silver Lake, a new one. And I believe in the press release, it talks about them setting up a committee. And in that, in that committee, in the charge or the description of the committee, they use the word succession. So this is peace with honor, but be clear, Jack Dorsey is now dead man walking. You don't let three people on your board who, all have, who have all agreed the CEO should be out in 10 days. You don't cancel your trip to Africa and decide, okay, I'm going to show these guys part-time how awesome I am. He's done. I mean, this is All right. First, so you're still un- sticking with
0: that. You're sticking with he's going to be gone.
1: Oh, he's already gone. They don't. He's,
0: they aren't singing here. It's already gone. He's All the right, White yes.
1: Walkers. I don't know what okay. the term <laughs> the is, but White this guy's. Is, this is peace with honor. They're like, this needs to be Jack's idea, and you need to get mm-hmm. to know Jack. Maybe you'll like him. And they said, fine. We're going on the board, and they're gonna. This is this is a this is, I mean, literally, Kara. I've been following. Um, you know, at one point, I was actually yes. considered an activist investor. I've never seen a company fold this fast. Ten days, three board seats. It's, All right. So, so right, they asked for
0: four and you said they you thought they'd get three, two, three. Um interesting Egan Durbin from Silver Lake. I know him a tiny yeah. bit. Um I know him actually pretty well. Um he's the, you know, he he operates out of Silicon Valley. He's he's super close to Silicon Valley types. Um he, he, what do you make of that? He gets on the board, they make a billion dollar investment, Silver Lake is obviously seeing an opportunity. Um you know, Silver Lake's been in Dell. They've been in a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. Some of them have worked out. They were in WME, pretty heavy. Um, that did not go public. Um, how do you look at that move?
1: You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I mean this. Um, uh, I've, I've interviewed a few people on podcasts recently, and you immediately cut to the – you managed to get the insight by asking questions. That's the correct question, and it's Silver Lake. What is Silver Lake's involvement here? And it means the following – it means a floor has just been put on the stock because if the stock languishes or go down, Silver Lake's going to take it private.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: them getting a billion dollars into the company and becoming what will – they'll be one of their biggest shareholders. Uh, and they're doing it under the auspices of a $2 billion share repurchase. But what it is is Silver Lake wants a foot in the door of uh, equity stake to take the company private should the stock not go up. Silver Lake, did, Silver Lake is not a public markets hedge fund. It's a company that takes big – you know, they go whale hunting for um, – they take the biggest – they do the biggest uh, private equity deals in the world. This is the first step in a take private by Silver Lake should the stock continue to fall.
0: Interesting. So what? So what's the next step? All right. What's the next step? You said said that Jack was going to be out after 30 days. Possibly not the case. Or, or is this one of these – What do you, how do you, no, how he's do got, you look agree. at it? This is not a victory for Jack is what you're saying.
1: He's got a stay of execution but eventually he's on the gurney in about 90 to 120 days max. You don't let three people on your board that showed up banging banging at the walls publicly stating everywhere this guy needs to be out and then you say, "Well, I'm going to my favorite my favorite statement by Jack next week was I'm rethinking Africa, given coronavirus and everything else, which is kind of a putting a heavy lift on everything else.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. And he needn't have uh, put that in there. He should have just said, "I'm not going." it. Yeah, he just three. said it was a mistaken judgment. I'm that not I going. Thought.
1: And yeah. but uh, when you have three people come on your board who are of this kind of caliber, and they're going to be his largest shareholders, this is basically this is basically saying that the the lead director Philip, I forget his last name. This is like, okay, you guys have won. You don't need to humiliate us. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to position this as, you know, strikes, deal. They got everything they wanted. I mean, they, they weren't – Jack wasn't going to throw up his arms after 10 days and say I'm out. But basically when you – they're announcing a special committee to look at a variety of things, including succession. You don't announce a committee to look at succession unless <laughs> the CEO is leaving.
0: All right. So who are some of the – what, what do you think – what's going to happen Next. And then we're going to get to coronavirus. Speaking of coronavirus, that Jack mentioned, what what yeah. happens next?
1: Uh, the stock goes up uh, because they're going to start a share repurchase, and basically, this is this is the ne- the next chapter of Twitter. Has now the first page has been kind of written or open. This is a new company now with new ownership, and uh, Jack and the board, the new board members, will pretend to be nice. Unless, Jack, your idea around if Jack showed up Monday and said, I've been all wrong, forgive me for my sins, I'm going to go full time, this is my plan, this is my product plan. I think maybe they give him some time, but I think in general what they say is after the first or second board meeting, look, this needs – I mean, you know what they might do? They might just start calling him in the morning and the afternoon and making his life miserable. Board members are allowed to do that. And keep in mind, he does have another Uh job. So my guess is it'll be now I would say 60 to 90 days so he can claim it's his idea. Basically, what he's trying to do is figure out a way, him and the lead director are trying to figure out a way, peace with honor, the war's over, and they want this to be their idea. And Jack's going to try and hold on for as long as he can such that it comes across as his idea. But be clear, this is new ownership, new board members, a private equity player in there, We have – and again, we've just never seen a company give up three board seats in 10 days. I've never seen that before.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see who they're going to look at. You know, I was just thinking as I noticed Silver Lake, which I should have thought of Silver Lake, of course, would come in here. This is – it's interesting. You know, Egan Durbin's close to someone like Nikesh Arora who used to run ads at Google. Um, who used to be president of Google. There's a whole bunch of people, obviously people like Susan Wojcicki. Many, you had many, a great list. You had a great list. Yeah, I, I, thought list. Your I just was made really that solid. off the top of my head. I was it yeah. was it, you know, there's all kinds of people that could go into this job. I don't think Adam Bain or Dick Costello are coming back for sure. I just put their name in there. But um but there's certainly a lot of people and now with Silver Lake, there's a couple of people that are sort of um there's all kinds of people that are tight with, with them. And you know, they're very ensconced into Silicon Valley royalty, I would say. Um, they're right on Sand Hill Road. Um, yeah. they have lovely lunches. Just so you know, do they? Um, it's good yes, to know. They do. Yeah, and so it's an interesting uh, gang to bring in here, and they they definitely tend to cooperate with the, with the entrepreneurs, like with Michael Dell and others. But uh, but they certainly they've been expo- They haven't made all the great moves. I'll tell you, the WME one I think has been tough for them because it didn't go public. Yeah. Um, and Dell has been a you know a real struggle, um, but it's has uh, Dell
1: been a struggle? I don't know much about. it. Yeah, over time. I mean, I think well.
0: what I think it's it's they've had, they've had ups and downs, but they certainly have enormous amounts of money. And Egan has uh, this this is typical. Vegan very much. Um, he's, he's kind of a, uh, I don't want to use that term that everyone uses, a baller, but that's what he is. Um, and, uh, and it'll be interesting, but he's super tight with Silicon Valley top yeah. notch. Anyway, we'll see. All right. So you are saying there will be a new CEO in 30 to 60 days, unless Jack comes back with a plan. So and- to be
1: fair, I mean, t- time goes fast, but this is, okay, we fold, you have the board seats and we're going to put together a committee to look at the CEO and we would like, He's, uh, jack's been a good guy he's got a history here um, we want this to be what i'd call a, a dignified exit but mm-hmm. there's just no way you let three adversarial you give up three adversarial board seats and expect the ceo to stick around when their primary justification for getting those board seats was they need a new ceo
0: yeah there's a, it's going to be a tougher board it's going to be a, a tougher board on. you him. mean it's going to be said- a,
1: it's not i would go even further for that it's going to be a board
0: yeah, well, we, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I think a lot of them are very close to him. And, and he, you know, like Brett Taylor from Salesforce and others. I, I still wouldn't uh, rule out a purchase by someone. That's, you know what I mean, like a Salesforce. And I think that'll be interesting. So there's s- th-
1: th- that's an interesting question. And just to pause there for a second. So Salesforce is interesting, although his board, I think, basically said to Benioff, who obviously has just so much credibility with his board because he's just, just delivered in spades. And I actually know one of their uh, board members, Sandy Robertson, who's just kind of this incredible. Very high integrity, smart guy. Anyway, but who else would it be though? I'm having trouble figuring out. Yeah, Somebody asked me that it. question. Very few people Who's can this? buy it
0: because of uh, antitrust. Who? Like none of the big companies. That's so, right, you know, antitrust. Think Amazon. Right? Uh, at, none of the Chinese companies can buy it. They're, it's China, it's yeah. a very That's difficult right. purchase. Disney isn't right. going to buy it. Um, at this moment in time. So I think Salesforce is – there's others people have mentioned, and I'm blanking, but none of the big ones for sure, and it's a big it's a big lift for someone. Well, right
1: now, quite frankly, the, the odds on hands down lead dog to buy this thing is silver like? Yeah. Now.
0: Yep. Yep. Going private actually would solve a lot of problems for it. Right. Know, so it's it, would. In the... um, it would. Agree. Anyway, interesting move. Big, big, big move. Bull well, we'll see what happens, Scott. We'll see. I'm going to keep you on it to see if Jack Dorsey's there. If he finds uh, Jesus, he often looks like Jesus, but he will. We'll see if he like suddenly leaves his job, things like that. We'll we'll, we'll, well see where did, it goes. I mean, what did we it... say?
1: We we said what, board what? members within ten within did I say seven days? Ten days. Okay, and how many days has it said been? He he'd be
0: gone <laughs> within 10 days, but I'm just saying you said he'd be gone. He's not gone yet. We'll see if he outlasts you, Scott Galloway. Uh, so he's see. got a
1: stay of execution, but it's it's all it's right. Looking okay, ugly.
0: all right. So speaking of coronavirus, other yep. reasons, which actually the ripple effects of coronavirus, not this move by Jack on Africa. Um, you know, South by Southwest, we were supposed to be there this week. We we're going supposed yeah. to supposedly eating barbecue. What you and I together wandering around being how dare that virus people? Um, <laughs> we the, the COVID nineteen is just really rippling through the economy. Um, everything canceled, uh, all kinds of stuff, and especially. The gig economy, including hospitality industry, Lyft and Uber drivers, Airbnb renters, Um, and we're going to look a little bit at how gig workers in general are being affected by COVID-19 and what companies that employ them are doing about it. Facebook, Twitter, Google, Microsoft committed they will continue to pay hourly contractors hourly wage if they are affected by COVID-19. Amazon hasn't made an official commitment yet, but they said in a statement they would be helping their hourly workers on their campus in Seattle and Bellevue. Um, No word from Apple about they'll join this move. Um, So, uh, again, meanwhile, Uber, this week's New York uh, count of coronavirus includes the first Uber driver. Not a surprise, um, mm-hmm. Uber announced it would be offering compensation to drivers affected by COVID-19. Uh, they had, uh, an Uber spokesman confirmed the company already compensated five quarantine, but ultimately non-affected drivers in the UK and Mexico. Meanwhile, Senator Mark Warner sent letters to Uber, Postmates, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, and Grubhub urging them financial benefits, their army of gig workers. Uh, it, it, and of course, there's the bigger impact, which we'll talk about on the economy uh, for this. Um, what do you think? What, what what besides the fact that we're disappointed we're not going to be at South by Southwest, the, the the economic impact is all over the place, and and especially in this area where these companies which have benefited from gig workers, which you have talked about extensively, are now having to pay the price for that.
1: Yeah, it's it's just amazing, isn't it? How much uh, the the saying that keeps popping in my mind is that life isn't about what happens to you; it's how you react to what happens to you. Mm-hmm. And I think about just how much at least my mind or, or my viewpoint of this or my, the complexion or my mood has changed in the last just 72 hours and mm-hmm. and w- how the world feels has changed in the last 72 hours. Because when we found out South by Southwest was canceled being, you know, I got all jonesed up and I called you and said, well, why don't we do something in Austin anyways yes, and be supportive of the local community? And both of us like the idea, but we're like, okay, let's wait and see how this plans out. And as of this morning, you and I are not going anywhere. No. And that's it's just amazing how much it feels like in the last 72 hours the 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 fear, the concern, whatever you want to call it has gone up about 1% an hour compounding and it feels yeah, like the fear has sure. doubled in the last 3 days.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think, and as you're getting more and more reports and more well, and more stories about how the Trump administration has has me- made a mess of this, and he's playing golf yeah. all weekend, which is probably better. Let's keep him on the golf links. Um, you know, it's interesting because I was just thinking, you know, at least in public, Pence has has been reasonable. Like he's yeah. been trying to trying his best, and every time he says something reasonable, the president says something stupid. Like yeah. it's really it's fascinating to be in his position because I feel like he's handling like any public official Republican or Democrat would which is and so have the governors which thank goodness for governors um including Jansley uh, in uh, in Maryland Larry Hogan all kinds he's a Republican um but this issue of like where that that the how analog vulnerable we are, especially as we have more and more gig economy workers, yeah. is really a fascinating moment, you know, in how we think about this and and what we do. And you're right, people are are panicked. And of course, you know, the whole CPAC thing that people were the word CPAC are close to the president. Have um, uh, you know they've uh, Matt Schlapp shook the hand of a coronavirus person who had coronavirus, and then immediately, sh- relatively soon, shook the hand of President Trump and many others, and this guy was in the green room. I mean, just the repercussions are are both kind of, you can't write this stuff, and at the same time, disturbing.
1: So first off, I just want to be recognized for my discipline and willpower to mention that Ted Cruz has been self-quarantined, and I'm not going to make a joke. I'm okay, just not going to right. make a joke about that because uh, of because of what's going on. But there is... I mean, it, I love the line. I thought probably the best series or one of the best series of the last 12 months was the series on Chernobyl from HBO. Mm-hmm. And the scientist who's credited with being sort of the adult in the room and kind of the hero or the protagonist of the story has this great line and that is every lie is a debt incurred against the truth and eventually that debt comes due. Mm-hmm. And I think about an administration that essentially just lies to people. It just says, okay, you know, the, airtight, nothing to worry about. I Mm -hmm. understand this virus. And at some point, incompetence, constant turnover, and something that is not aging well is two years ago, it looks as if the administration cut about 80% of the global virus pandemic response within the CDC, cut the budgets there. When you have a lack of respect for your own institutions that you oversee... It just it's and when you were talking about how these companies have responded, it's clear. It's really interesting. These companies are now the government, and they're now the adults in the room. Yeah, the government over the weekend. We want action. We want leadership. the 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 fact that you know South Korea is testing or was testing, I think, ten thousand people a day, and and, and and nobody even knows how many we're testing. We can't even seem to get the right answer. Mm -hmm. And then you have that's because we
0: didn't go along with the testing kits. We used our own. They were. As typical, we didn't go along with the who. The oh, there's going to be, be so much out. story.
1: So many stories are going to come out about that. That is yeah. just and and the question now is: Are we Singapore, where it immediately looks bad, and because of because of a combination of testing, tracking, and then uh, self quarantine, and also let's be honest, the Singaporean people are very compliant. You know, it it, it looks like they've got it largely con- under control. Or are we Italy? Where just three weeks ago, there were only 17 people, and now we have 17 million people being quarantined, and we're not sure. I mean, this is going to be so interesting, the limits, the tension between handling something like this and democracy because – this is one of those times where authoritarian rule looks like it's Well, it's not authoritarian.
0: Pretty... He's, they're just incompetent. That's really incompetent and selfish and trying to hide it because of the loving of the stock market. I think the stock right. market... I think the combination of him being a germaphobe, and I, I don't think we can stress how important that is, just doesn't want to face it. And then the second part... Uh, his his obsession with the stock market as as a as a proxy. You are right. These companies, these tech companies, have become the government, and they're the first to step out. McDonald's has not done so, and others that have gig economy workers essentially, and so it, these the they do have to step up along with governors in terms of governing this country, which is is fascinating. Like what ha- this can't happen continually. The government has to step in and actually do its job. But uh, well, but it's so really it, it's really interesting, interesting that they've they've stepped just, up. And, did you pull In up your way.
1: phone? I mean, we taped this a day before. Market's down two thousand points. That yep. yeah, sh- shit is getting well, real.
0: It is wow. because of the gas prices and things like that. Prices, so, yeah. so w- what? What's the effect on the bottom line? For speaking of which, these tech companies are going to take these costs on, and and not the government, and uh, and then this stock market situation. Where what is your what is your viewpoint here? What where does it go?
1: Well, I mean, the, the honest answer is uh, I don't know. The the I mean, if you look at what's just so interesting is, and you always related to your your past, but so let me back up. These companies, in my opinion, the tech companies and these leaders are doing the right mm-hmm. thing. And I think they're leaders. I think they're mm-hmm. saying, all right, who's most vulnerable? Small mm-hmm. and medium business, gig workers, uh, kind of blue collar workers. And what the government should have done over the weekend is something similar and announced some sort of... So there is monetary policy is no longer a weapon. Interest rates are so low, we're out of bullets. It's got to be some sort of fiscal policy. And what I mean by that is over the weekend, the President should have announced a policy such that every small and medium-sized business can get a zero percent interest loan to make sure that the wheels are humming because we will get through this. I don't know if it's a month. I don't know if it's a year, but you want to make sure there're small and medium sized businesses on the other side that are still alive. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones yes. that, are, you know, that is, that is economically what you would refer to as the vulnerable population here, right? Sure is. And we can't – cutting interest rates isn't going to do anything. What we would need no. to do is – you know, I don't I forget it was Katrina, but they literally at one point just started handing out prepaid credit cards or right. charge cards. And just you've got to put some money or access to credit in the hands of, of um, small business. Where this could get ugly is that – and I didn't really understand this until I read Andrew Ross Sorkin's book, Too Big to Fail, that the thing that creates – recessions barreling towards depressions is not the stock market. It's an absence of credit or basically when companies no longer can get credit. That's what causes
0: depressions. It's so important Let me just say my friend of mine who's a big caterer in New York has had millions of dollars of business just taken away and she was talking about like the iterations of of her – she has 300 workers that she can't give any more hours to and so she's doing everything to protect their salaries because they've worked continually. But think about that iteration. Hundreds of workers then can't work and – um you know and then that the iteration 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 all over the place and this is a small business owner even if it's a big business um and is 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 not going to pay bills like right yeah. Yeah, that's what you do that's and then 100%. you need credit to do that and so that's going to iterate with small businesses also airlines will need relief from the government um hotels those are the most obvious ones but it iterates everywhere and especially as this economy has become more of a gig economy um it's really the government that has to step in and and, and do what a long time ago avenues and i had talked about is like what is the healthcare benefits for gig workers what are how do right. we how do we define an employee anymore and this is exactly the kind of thing that changes the attitudes towards that so you don't you have insurance for what happens Um, So it's a big it's a big deal. We're going to we have one more before we have a a friend of Pivot coming on. But before that, uh, Facebook removed Trump ads, uh, misleading ads by President Trump's re-election campaign about the 2020 census. The Trump campaign released ads on a platform said President Trump needs you to take the official 2020 congressional district census today. We need to hear from you in the most important election history. Campaign linked the census directly to the Trump campaign, a misrepresentation of an official government survey. The Census Bureau We're supposed to begin the population survey until next week, which is also in the in this middle of this crisis um is you wonder what the, how they're going to hire people. Facebook said on Thursday that the Trump campaign's message violated its policy against interference in the census. Facebook bars the misrepresentation of dates, locations, times, and methods of census participation. Facebook said in a statement, "Quote: There are policies in place to prevent confusion around the official U.S. census, and this is an example of those being enforced." Um, you know, this is the right thing, but at the same time, they kept that Joe Biden video up like that. They're being attacked for that. Um, Twitter uh, said it was misrepresentative um, or manipulative, or some word they put on the bottom where nobody sees it. Um, so, what do you what do you what what do you think prompted them to take those ads? And they've been so. Um, Lenient on other free speech.
1: Well, that that's the thing. I, I just don't know. It seems to me their terms of service are are nearly impossible to understand the consistency around them. I don't, you know, I mean, every time the president speaks, it shows the inconsistency of their terms of service because he's still on Twitter. I, I, I never know what to expect, like who they're going to boot off, who they're not. I don't understand. I don't understand their approach to it. I understand who makes these decisions. And that's part of the problem. And that is even if it was a ham-handed policy, as long as it was consistent, it's like the best relationships, you'd rather be in a relationship with someone who is wrong, but as long as they're consistently wrong, um, (laughs) you know what to expect. (laughs) That's our
0: relationships. There you go.
1: (laughs) There you go. You know, I'm inappropriate, but you're used to that. So (laughs) you you expect it. So, but with Twitter, with, with the terms of service around this stuff, you get the feeling it's a bunch of people, press people in a room going, OK, what do we do? And then whoever's the loudest voice gets that decision. They just haven't right. been able to establish anything resembling like a, a constitution around behavior or authority around what gets kicked out. At, at least that's my sense. Do you have a sense yeah. for what they're doing? Well, here? I think
0: the sense is it's like a bridge too far. They're just pushing for bridge too far. And this group, the, uh, the Trump group, you know, pushes it too far and then hopes they get through. What you do is you do 20 shitty things like this and this is – let me just – let me try right. to do this technically. This is shitty um and and manipulative um uh, and and lots of groups uh, have been warning facebook around the disinformation and especially when it's coming from the presidents and the, and the uh Uh, The the Trump campaign. But at first, Facebook declined to remove the campaign ads on the census. You know what I mean? Like until they were alerted. And so they do 20 shitty things and then 19 of them get to go through. And that's that's the way these people are. And this is what they're going to do. And Facebook is caught, uh, you know, just playing defense the whole time instead of offense, which is what they should be doing. You know, the the Biden again, the, the Trump campaign was pushing out a very, very doctored video of Biden saying he supported Trump, which is insane. Um, and, you know, that that idiot who works for him, Dan Scavino, um, was pushing it out and then the Trump Trump retweeted it and, and it was clearly doctored. Um, it just – you know, and again, Twitter did something but it just labored it manipulative. I think there was something at the bottom, manipulated video, which – what the hell is that? Just take it down. Like it's kind of yeah, – it's fascinating. Um, yeah, but you're right. They don't have any standards, which is really irritating. And you need standards at this moment um, to be doing this in terms of what they're going to do. You know, just I don't even get it anymore. I I don't even understand it. What what they what the game is here for them.
1: Where are you today, Kara? Are you where I'm in are New York? You? I'm in New York. Oh, you're in New York. And what's the? I'm just really curious. What's the mood like? I have, have to you tell you, the subway was
0: packed. Was yeah. subway was packed, even though the 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 governor and the I think the mayor were talking about don't go home, go to work if you don't right. need to. Um, I was wearing gloves. Uh, there were people were not wearing masks or anything like that. A couple of people wore. Um so it seemed like a typical day uh, on the subway to me. Um yeah. I, people were out all day yesterday in New York in the park. It was a beautiful day. Um so it's interesting. I mean it looked like restaurants were full. Um uh, you know, I think people are but I think every everywhere you went, people were you could hear overheard people talking about coronavirus everywhere yeah. like Oh, and yeah, and so are we. Everyone. So I think people are super nervous, and I do think the the business implications. I mean, I I spent the weekend thinking about the code conference and um and all kinds of the stuff. The iteration. Uh-huh. I canceled several. I canceled several speeches. Um, you know, you and I are supposed to go somewhere in, in Europe relatively soon, uh, and yeah. that you know, who knows who knows what's going to happen there. Um, I'm hoping this will all level out. That's really what the what the hope is. And yeah, we're of course, all hoping
1: it burns out. Fa- I mean what you want – I was thinking about what you really want in government is
0: mm-hmm.
1: these guys – the goal is you want to be accused at some point of overreacting.
0: Yep, exactly. It's,
1: to be accused of overreacting is one thing. To be accused of underacting – is a is a crime as a Agreed. government official Agreed. and
0: and that's Trump, and I think that's Pence where they are now. Trying. They're going to be
1: accused of underreacting. There's just yeah. no getting around it. There's nothing no, here not that feels like an overreaction.
0: overreaction they 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 this is just how they are they're just incompetent is really what it is' the, just another other, example of incompetence.
1: The other thing I was thinking about was, and this goes back to and I think there's a I don't, I don't know if it's a business lesson, but we talked about red envelope last week. I remember this reminded me of in two thousand and seven it's always it's always this one two punch. it's always. It's always a combination of peanut butter and chocolate Mm -hmm. of disaster. Uh, Two things come from opposite or varying directions. One's typically economic; the other, some sort of exogenous impact. When I read envelope in two thousand and eight, the beginning of two thousand and eight, the dirty secret of retail is that, especially retail, is that you lose money for forty-five weeks a year, and then from basically from Thanksgiving to Christmas, you make a ton of money, and you hope to make it all back. And so we had all of our gifts, you know, all of our. Cashmere blankets and you know a chess Lord of the Rings chest chest sets on a on a cargo ship and there was a longshoreman strike in Long Beach and we couldn't offload our products so we had to go get and extend our line of credit to go buy more stuff to get ready for the Christmas season and an analyst a fixed income analyst at Wells Fargo. Precian sort of saw the credit crisis coming and pulled our credit line. And 11 weeks later, we were Chapter 11. Yeah. So an exogenous event and a lack of credit was sort That's of the one-two wow. punch for what was a fairly, at the time, what felt like a fairly robust publicly traded company. And if you think about what's going on now, we obviously have this coronavirus, but what you also have... This exogenous shock of oil prices diving mm-hmm. and potentially taking down the market, it's like it just couldn't have come at a worse time. And what's yeah. also really interesting about this is I remember I was born in an era where oil prices going down was good for us because it seeded power, it transferred power from the Gulf back to us.
2: yeah. And now
1: case. oil prices going down is actually a bad thing for our economy because we're a net exporter and the largest energy producer in the world right now. And what might be ground zero, if there is, I think we do plummet into something really dangerous economically or really historic, What probably will be the ground zero, just as it was subprime in 2008, is the high yield market because 11% of all high yield bonds are energy companies whose cost of production is now probably above what they can sell their stuff for. So it's... It's not. It's usually a one-two punch, and it feels like you can identify both these both these kind of fists of stone coming yep. to the economy right now.
0: They're coming. They're coming in that way. And you know, again, lastly, and then we're going to go to uh, a break in a second. Uh, it is. It is a question of, of of truthfulness about this. At the same time, what, what's happening? I mean, I tweeted a lot this weekend about my mom, uh, who has was getting terrible information from Fox News about everything, and my brother right. and I had to read her the Riot Act because she was like, "Oh, you can take the flu shot and it'll be fine," or. It's not that big a deal. The yeah. media are overhyping it. And, oh, I can go out. And I'm like, listen, lady, you know. Uh,
1: oh, no, she should. My sense is you do what the CDC says. The CDC summarized it perfectly, I thought. They said if you're elderly or you have an underlying yeah. health vulnerability, you should begin to self-quarantine.
0: Well, that was not being broadcast on Fox News, which my mother watches. Right. So uh, it was just – she had like at least seven immis- pieces of misinformation. and It was really disturbing. And let me just tell you, if Rupert Murdoch – Makes my mom sick. He better be careful. That's all I have to lucky. say. Like, lucky. Like, lucky better not get sick because you watch that friggin' Fox News. I mean, it just was so weird. Irris- I mean, usually it's just irritating to listen to her. Um, Now it's like, that's enough. That's, that's yeah, plenty. There,
1: there's something interesting there, though, and that is we... Okay, so Fox and Rupert Murdoch, we immediately... You made the connection that they're complicit and there'll be totally. ramifications because... Traditional media companies can be held liable, whereas we're talking about Twitter and Facebook. I think they do 100 times the damage around stuff in terms of misinformation. But the idea that they might actually be held liable if there's an increase in breakouts seems unthinkable. And the reality is it shouldn't be no different. They should have the same responsibilities as every other media company.
0: Agreed. Also, Lucky Carney should be smarter, but here she is in the thrall of propaganda. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with a friend of Pivot, too So, when we get back. All right, we're back. We have a friend of Pivot in the studio. I call her Amina. She's a co-host of the brilliant podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, and is publishing her book uh, with her partner there, uh, Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close, coming out this year. In July, Amina also used to work in tech, including at Google. It was International Women's Day over the weekend, and Elizabeth Warren dropped out of the primaries and was brilliant on Saturday Night Live. So let's talk about women and politics and leadership and social media. Welcome, Amina. How you doing?
2: Hi, Kara. Thanks for having me. No problem.
0: You're in Los Angeles right now, correct?
2: I am in Los Angeles right now. It's so early, but it's
0: also a gorgeous day. I figure it is actually very nice here. Anyway, so so we have Scott on the phone also. Um, Scott, say hello to Amina. Hi, Amina. Hi, Scott. Happy
2: International Women's Day to you. Yeah, I exactly. have such a
1: question about that. Can we start there? Go ahead. Can you we please. Right Go into right into ahead, it? Scott. Okay, Amina. Uh, so uh, International Women's Day. Um, I don't want to say it bothers me, but there's a something about it that really bothered me yesterday, and I want to get your viewpoint. And I kept seeing words like celebrate, honor. Uh, pictures of roses and stories about being good to yourself, and can you be a mom and sexy at the same time? And as someone who was raised by a single mother, I, uh, you know, and after my dad and my mom split, my dad immediately, who was less talented, went on to make, I think he was making $50,000 a year. And the only thing my mom could do was be a secretary at 10000 a year. And my feeling is if we're really going to have a, a woman's movement, it's not about honoring or celebrating, it's about paying them more fucking money and to me this 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 soft glossed over hallmark channel holiday is is missing the script, or it's missing the point that we need to economically empower women? Anyways, I'll stop there. Your turn.
2: Okay, I mean, wow, wow, Scott Galway, <laughs> feminist. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> Trust love me, to I me, I am not go a ahead. feminist. I am not a feminist.
1: I believe in economic empowerment.
2: Full stop. All right, well, okay. Listen, um, don't worry. It doesn't surprise me. Um, here's what. Here's the deal, right? I think that um, International Women's Day is just like. Like any of those Hallmark holidays is someone that, yeah. something that is just very muddled and at this point is very steeped in capitalism. Like if you know the history of International Women's Day, um, it was you know, proclaimed by the UN, I want to say in 1975, as a day for, to celebrate women's rights and world peace. And yeah. now it is just a shorthand for love yourself, Um, you know, Malala's awesome and, uh, you know, brands just giving you all sorts of messaging. And so it means a lot and it doesn't mean anything. I agree with you that the intent of International Women's Day is to talk about parity. And, um, you know, but I think that we live also in a world where that question for us today in 2020 is very, it looks very different than it looked like for the women in 1975. And it looks very different than, um, you know, the first... Uh, when when the Socialist Party of America started designating this day, like back in 1908. And I, you know, I think that like with all things, social movements are really fraught and that once capitalism yeah. comes into the question, it also just becomes a mess. I personally, um, I find International Women's Day and its current iteration like very offensive because yeah. every day should be International Women's Day. And I think yes. that... Um, I care less about cute hashtags and, you know, like people posting the women that have inspired them than I care about the fact that um, we live in a country where violence against women is something that still happens on a routine basis. We live in a country where women do not get paid um, the same as men. And we live in a country where women are not represented at the highest echelons of power at the same rates as men. And so, I, you know, it's like, it's one thing to bring awareness, but it's another thing to actually, like, change the fucking system. That's and, uh, you know, I'm like, we've had decades of awareness. Can we actually do something about it?
0: Well, right. uh, I agree with you. I was was happy, though, that my son Louis called me to wish me a happy International Women's Day. That was a nice feeling. At the it's same time. Nice. It's always it's, nice when Louis calls. That's a true, 100%. But yeah. one of the things that was interesting is that you were talking about representation. All the women out of the... Um, out of the presidential race, uh, obviously all of them are being considered for vice president. Uh, what do you make of this? And obviously, uh, Elizabeth Warren did a great job on SNL this week. But um, w- what do you um, what do you think has happened in this race? We're down to three white guys who are in in the in the worst group for coronavirus uh, uh, having. Um, what 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 is your feeling on how that played itself out? And of course, you had you know interviewed Hillary Clinton many times had been a supporter of her in the last election. Where are we right now?
2: I mean, I think that we are exactly where we have always been, a place where um, there is a very strong glass ceiling for women. We're in a place where women's leadership is just not taken um we pay a lot of lip service to it but we are seeing that it's not actually being paid attention to because the script the last time in 2016 was that a lot of people said they didn't like Hillary Clinton which I'm like you can fair voters can feel how they want to feel about it the thing that I am always fascinated by is when people say we want a woman not this woman um then what does that magical woman look like that everybody is okay with and is it possible that it's actually not about individual women. And it is more about the fact that this country is not ready to stomach the idea of a woman in charge. And I think that's a question that we should all be asking ourselves. We started this election with many women running for president. um, And, you know, and much like International Women's Day, we made like a thing of it. It was, you know, there was that big Vogue story about it. Um, People keep saying that they're inspired and that they're empowered. And we hear all of the words. But when push comes to shove, um. what are we seeing? We're seeing that like a woman's candidacy is not seen as a viable thing. And we, we, we heard the word electable over and over and over and over again when it came to Elizabeth Warren. And maybe the truth is that for women to be electable, people just have to elect them. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So I have a
1: question or a thought around that, because if you look around the world, whether it's Thatcher or Merkel or even I don't want to I don't want to create an unattainable, you know, I don't I don't want to fall into the trap of saying, okay, all female leaders are just better and have higher character on a balanced scorecard I would bet. You know, arguably that there's there's just leaders and then there's there's not great female leadership in Argentina, what have you? But there are the point is there are leaders that have been democratically elected female leaders in other western nations and we can't seem to wrap our heads around it when you describe a female candidate or you describe the attributes of a candidate, and then you put the term "female" on them. They usually go down three to six points, which would swing almost any election. Where does it? Why is that in the U.S.? Where, if you reverse engineer, where did that start in America? Our ability that our that, that has resulted in we handicap female candidates by three to six points at the polls. What where? What is the ground zero of this?
2: I mean, I don't know that I, you know, that we can diagnose a ground zero that goes just beyond the fact that um, our country is built on a very, um, you know, there is an undercurrent of like misogyny and how this country is run. And I think that that happens by design, but I think that it's also something that a lot of people are really happy to talk about the fact that, you know, maybe that it's 2020 and maybe we have... Um, they're excited about women running but the truth is that we don't we just don't have a good model for it you like you point to countries like Germany and uh, and England but the truth is that even um, countries that are you know I would say that Americans usually, Turn their nose down to have had very strong female leadership. If you go to Pakistan, if you go to Liberia, if you go um, to many other countries that are generally seen as third world countries, they have also accepted the fact that like having women in leadership is a normal fact of life. And so I think that in American politics and in American business, it can't surprise you that we don't have female leaders in politics if we don't see them in business, if we don't see them in tech, if we don't see them in entertainment. The problem is not a problem of one industry. It's also not a problem of a pipeline, as people talk about all the time. That's simply not true. It is just the truth that we um, we have accepted for now that we will let women get as far as is, as is socially acceptable and that it takes someone extraordinarily exceptional to break that mold. And that person has not um, – that person is not in our consciousness yet. Well, not yet. Now, we talk about
0: we, – we, this is a tech and media show. Who do you want to call out in that regard? Why does it – it's the same in tech It's and it's gotten worse as you know. You've worked in tech. And then the top ten podcasts are all – in 2019 are all hosted by men. I mean – and you have a very popular Except for the uh, Podcaster podcast. of the
1: Year.
2: Yeah, except for that
0: (laughs) Well, it's like, who
2: do you not call out, right? Like, tech is actually a really good example. Um, There was a big push when I was in Silicon Valley a couple of years ago where people, you know, started paying a lot of lip service to the fact that we were tracking these numbers. Just like, great, we are tracking the representation. Um, One year, two years, three years, ten years, the numbers haven't changed. And in some cases, they've gotten worse. So what is the point of tracking if... um, you know, we say that we are, um, we are an industry that cares about data, that cares about facts and is built on engineering and engineering cannot fix this problem. I was like, what does that say about what it is that we're actually doing by just tracking these numbers? So what does it say? I mean, I think it says that tech and all of America is not ready to have a reckoning with the fact that it's honestly, at this point, I would say embarrassing. We are this, you know, I'm like, we're living in 2020. We are living in the future that we were all told we would live in and s- very few things have changed when it comes to um, what is going on for women in leadership.
0: So so is there any solutions you have? I mean, are you making solutions in your book, This Big Friendship, which is about women's friendship, Yeah, correct? I mean, the
2: solution that I have always looked to is um, – you know, I think that like for women and for other marginalized people is that we have to build our own power because we are not going to be invited to power. Like I really believe in building bridges horizontally. I believe in this idea called shine theory that is really about, you know, it is about building your own power. And instead of hoarding power, the way that like the traditional system does is about making sure that you give it to other people because, you know, I think that at the end of the day, you know, there is a world in which you can have it like in Europe where there is like a quota system, you know, where you say, okay, all boards have to have like a third female leadership. All industries have to do like the government just steps in and says, this is what we have to do. Because if we leave people to their own devices, it is not going to happen. Or um, I think that some of us are playing the long game and really believing that, you know, over generations, it will change. But the change is very slow.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Amina, thank you so much for coming on the show and have a great time in Los Angeles. Amina's book coming out is called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. And her fantastic podcast is called Call Your Girlfriend, which is what I just did.
1: Thank you, Amina. Thank you so
0: much. All right, Scott, do you feel emboldened now? Do you feel good about that? So actually, that?
1: Karen, I, I wanted to say this or sure. I would have liked to say it when I Amina mean was on the phone. I do think – so I love the Bill Clinton statement. There's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with America. And capitalism <laughs> okay. is definitely uh, – I Amina mean brought up capitalism uh, as it relates to gender balance. And I do think it's happening slowly. And I think – you know where I think it starts? I think it starts in the boardroom because the board – Yep. tens yep. People just have a tendency to to uh, envision people in leadership roles that are like them, and whether they want to admit it or not, that's that's typically where they go, just psychologically. And I've seen it happen over and over on nominating committees and boards where we have to pick a CEO. And there are there has slowly but surely been over the last ten years, and in the last twenty four months, it's accelerated. An intolerance for all male boards, and I'm not proud to say this, but I've been on several of them. And now, what's happening, and this is great, is that a lot of institutional investors, ranging from Calpers to Ontario Teachers, to I think it's even BlackRock, has said we're not buying stock in any company that has a board that's not diverse. Diverse, and yeah. It, it's not just women. It's not just women, by the way. It's all what's kinds that? of di-
0: It's not just women. It's all kinds of diversity. Yeah,
1: but my my point is. is it's it, It's happening too late. It's happening not as fast as we would like, but it is happening. And I've seen more momentum around it in the last 24
0: months than I've seen in the previous 10 years. All right, but I would like it to be legislated at this point because it's getting ridiculous. Anyway, but before we go, and by the way, Bill Clinton, let let's. let's I, I next this week his fail is on this in this video with uh, this documentary with Hillary Clinton where he. Oh, did you see that? The press weird. loved
1: it. I didn't see it. Yeah, you, I, you didn't, I I did you not, not like his
0: apology to Monica Lewinsky, who I think is a wonderful person, and I just think he's just still living in the denial stage of. Very bad behavior by Bill Clinton. Didn't anyway, they
1: both apologize uh, or weren't they weren't they both involved
0: I, in it? I sorta. Of. It's the it's literally the worst apologies on the planet. I just I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I know you're not supposed to judge apologies, but in this case it's pretty bad. And it's a long time. Um a long time taking too long. Anyway, um it should have happened a long time ago. Anyway, before we go, Scott, uh, we're not going to end on a bad note. We're going to end on a good note. You have a new podcast. Um, That's right. Which, I'm which, Dr. Which? Phil, your Oprah.
1: <laughs> I owe everything to you, but we'll soon leave you and forget <laughs> you and just send you a Christmas card.
0: I don't want a Christmas
1: card. Flowers on International Women's Day. Maybe a certificate Listen. to a spa cuz that is not oh what all God. women you know really what? want out of life. a day at the spa. Listen to me. Listen to me. As usual, Women's you're day.
0: distasteful and offensive, which is why I uh, like you. Listen, you have a new podcast. People. I want it's Heard called it. Prof G. We're going to play the promo for your podcast Prof G cuz if you can't get enough Scott, here is some more Scott. All right, Scott. We're gonna bang out the Prof G podcast promo. Take it away.
1: Okay, no problem. Let's do it. Okay. That's right, bitches. The dog has oh, a pod.
0: Scott, I, you know, I don't know if we want to call people bitches, and not sure people know who the dog is either. No,
1: no. Okay, no problem. No problem. Hi everyone. This is Scott Galloway, the Prof G podcast. What is a podcast? They suck. But the dog's pod and, sucks uh, less.
0: You know, I don't know about what? the negative. No, nope, Let's not try. Good. Let's try positive. Okay.
1: Four words to describe the Prof G podcast. The first and second, Shama and Lama. The third and fourth, ding and dong! Show up for Prof G!
0: That was positive. Not sure that made any sense, though.
1: Got it, got it. Okay, okay. All right. Pull it together. My name is Scott Galloway. I'm a professor of marketing at NYU Stern School of Business. I've taught over 4,700 students, served on 12 boards, started nine businesses. Some of them work, some of them haven't. I want you to be successful professionally and personally. Every week, we're going to take an unfiltered, Full body contact, no mercy, no malice, view of the business world and what can be learned. Show up to Prof G. We're going to have office hours, expert interviews. Prof G launches on March 19th. You heard of D-Day. Well, this is dog day, March 19th. Show up to Prof G podcast.
0: Oh, my God. Really? What
1: do you think, Kara? You've created a monster. A this is bitches. your fault.
0: It is my fault.
1: Yeah, I wish involved. I had a time
0: machine. I'd go back to DLD and back. just leave and go get some like like German food somewhere. If to you Hoff could Bar turn house. back time, Kara. If, if you I could, could turn, turn back, time. back time. That was in a totally offensive promo. Then I think Wasn't it'll it? work. At, yeah, the, really. And I, I
1: have gone full narcissist. I'm like, literally, I'm, I'm even, I'm, I'm, I want to be invisible
0: and rich as if, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah, right. Okay. Scott, everybody should sign up for this. It's Prof G Office Hours with Scott Galloway. Shamalama friggin' ding dong. Anyway, you Scott, read us out. We let me get, we love your questions. If you have a question about a story you're hearing in the news, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Now, Scott.
1: Bring us home? Okay, so today's producer is Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. And special thanks to Drew Burrows and Rebecca Castro. If you like what you heard, please sign up, download, send us an email. And again, remember, life isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you react to what happens to you.